Welcome to Trailblazing Text, and today we have Jeremy Goodson, who works for University of Pikeville as an academic associate. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Not too bad, you know, just living this quarantine life, but actually today in Denver, we officially start to open up. I don't know what that means, oh, but you're in, you're in phase, phase, phase one now. Yeah. What about you guys in Kentucky? Phase one, I think uh, like next week, phase two may start. I'm not sure. I just yeah. know I need a haircut, so... Yeah, I feel that. Happen. I've got a, I've got a lot of hair. I could use a haircut. I could get a pedicure. I could use my eyebrows done. There's a lot of things I could use being done, but all the same here. Yeah, same. Yeah, and um, even though it's opening today, like it doesn't seem like many people are really opening their doors. So I'll be interested to see wow. kind of like who opens and who doesn't. So University of Pikeville. So where is that in Kentucky? That's in Pikeville, Kentucky. <laughs> what is that close to or or how far away is it from other cities it's close to a ton of mountains okay and we're tucked down in uh the middle of just a bunch of giant rocks and trees okay um relative to lexington kentucky uh which is where the most storied and prestigious collegiate basketball program in men's history is uh, the okay. university of kentucky wildcats um, we're about three hours away so Oh, okay. So still pretty, pretty good ways. And um, yeah, where are you from Pikeville originally or somewhere else? I'm from about 20 minutes outside of Pikeville. Uh, uh, I grew up in Dorton, D-O-R-T-O-N. <laughs> With my accent, I'm Dorton. Dorton. Dorton, Kentucky. Uh, lived in Cincinnati for a few years, but other than that, it's, this is my home. Yeah. I don't know though, by your accent, I would have thought maybe you were from New York or something. I'm not hundred yeah, percent sure. Yeah. You know, just the, the strong, actually Boston. You know, yeah. Boston. Strong, close, yeah. close, close, close. So with you being from Pikeville or near Pikeville mm-hmm. and you're at Pikeville now and, and you're on campus, I know students are not on campus. One, you've wrapped up right. finals, but two, because the doors have kind of closed because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. what has been kind of the biggest challenge for you guys and what are you guys trying to do to to bring a sense of normalcy a little bit to the students education that's that has actually been the toughest part of this whole process for us is just trying to find that trying to find the way that we can bridge ourselves and our students because there are every student that goes here is there are just spread everywhere yeah so trying to find out how to have meetings trying to find out how to offer help uh, mm-hmm. and especially from our department where we offer tutoring and supplemental instruction and we just we, we try to offer as much help as possible like how are we able to run study groups how are we able to have study halls for athletics right now mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's been the toughest aspect is trying to find what works best technologically mm-hmm. and uh, some things as we've seen work fantastic sometimes not so great other times. Right. So it's uh, having that, those those communications has been a challenge. Sure. And are you guys planning at least right now to open up back for uh, the fall semester? Right now, uh, we 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 announced that we're moving to two eight week eight week blocks uh, come the fall. And I think the the thought process on campus right now is yeah we will be open because mm-hmm. there. Are, other places closer to us that are, that have already announced that they're going to be open and have students back, but Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to have restrictions. We're going to have social distancing restrictions. Obviously there are concessions that we're going to have to make. Yeah. I feel like, you know, work, we just have to 
you know, we've never faced this before. No one has. So trying sure. to find the way that we can do it best is tough. Yeah. And I know one way you guys have been engaging your students is through a podcast. And actually you were my initial point of contact, yeah. uh, Ellen Campbell, who works with you now, but I knew her previously at Marietta College. She was the one that put us in context. I had no idea how to do this. So for one, I appreciate you, A, teaching me and B, coming onto the show. But but where did the idea come from for a podcast and, and what do you guys talk about on your shows? Thank you. You've, you've done fantastic with this too. I've listened to a few episodes so far. And Thank you. It's, uh, it's really especially the conversation that is on here and the variety of guests you have is, is awesome. Thank you. Um, we were actually, uh, it was right after spring break when we decided that no students on campus and mm-hmm. we were having a meeting to decide, like to try to figure out a way that we can reach out to students. And just offhanded, someone said, you know, there are so many new, new ways out there that you, that, you, that you can talk to, you know, people throughout. And one they just threw out podcast and immediately Ellen turned to me and said, this guy is the biggest idiot in the room. Let's give this to him and <laughs> see what he does with it. And um, from that point on, it took about a week for me to uh, come up with an idea and yeah. put it into play. And within, we, within a week, we had recorded our first episode of the U-Pike Bearcast. Okay. It comes out every Friday. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere you listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love y'all's pod. I I, I haven't listened to the most recent, but Mm -hmm. uh, when you were first putting them out, I like them. I think, I think you guys are doing a great job uh, engaging your students. And I've appreciated some of the candor that you guys have, like, is a hot dog technically a sandwich or not? That's a great debate. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yeah, there you go. I don't know. I'm torn and we don't have to go down that debate, but it was, it was definitely an interesting topic to listen to. Where do you stand? Where do you stand on that debate? Oh, I am a hot, a hot dog is a sandwich. (laughs) One hundred percent. So you define a sandwich as what? Something between two pieces of bread, roughly. Yes. Yes. You put something between some in in between bread, and you have a sandwich. All right. I can't. I can't argue with that. I. I don't think I can disagree. So I'm gonna just now when I go places that have hot dogs, I think I'm just gonna ask for a sandwich and see what happens. Can I have a sandwich? (laughs) What, What? What? What would you like on it? A wiener. A wiener. I would like a wiener on my sandwich. I like it. I like it. So podcast you obviously are very involved with um uh the institution and one thing i didn't know when i first met you was that you actually have been a student and so you actually went back to school later in your life Mm -hmm. and i don't like to use the word non-traditional student but but, you know it is what it is but it is what it is so you know why decide to go back to college in your 30s uh there was uh there was a weird jump in there of uh I did, I went to college in early two thousands and, uh, didn't do so well. Uh, that was, uh, that was, it was my own fault completely. I didn't seek the help that I needed to learn how to handle this, uh, completed about, you know, 60 ish hours and then decided I was done. Mm -hmm. Uh, went to work, uh, worked in a variety of places. I was diagnosed with a nerve disease in 2012 Mm -hmm. and that sort of took the option to do manual labor jobs out. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I wanted to complete my education, but mm-hmm. uh, after the, the diagnosis, you know, you have that weird time where you feel sorry for yourself for, for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that for a few years. And then uh, beyond that, like after everything kind of started evening out a bit, uh, my wife uh, suggested to me that, uh, hey, you know, maybe, maybe you need to try this again and go and, you know, see if you can make it work this time. Mm-hmm. And with a ton of added motivation, I have three daughters. 
Uh, so wow. that right there is a motivator yep. to, to make this happen. And uh, went back and was able to finish 63 hours uh, from last spring to this spring. So, awesome. And so where you're from, I believe you had told me that you and your sister were first generation college students, yeah, correct? We the first in my family anywhere nice. to finish. She's the first. Uh, she's younger than me. I'm still resentful of that and uh, <laughs> let her know it frequently. <laughs> it's okay. But, uh, yeah. It's okay. But so, so your first generation, you and your sister are the first ones to complete college in your family. That's a big deal. You know, where you're from, um, you had said that kind of coal mining was, you know, kind of the oh, yeah. career path that most people took. And so, you know, was that something that you felt was kind of the path you were going to take? And then you just kind of decided that I, you wanted something different for yourself and your family? Yeah. It's uh, after, after I left school the first time, bounced around from a couple of small jobs. And then finally it was, uh, I got to the point to where if I want to make a decent living in mm -hmm. this area, it's, you have to go inside this mountain and you have to stay there all day. Yep. And, uh, so made that decision. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unwilling. I did not want to, but I did. And it's like that first time that you're kind of on your little cart and you're riding into the mine and you're, you know, you're like the light disappears behind you. Yeah. Terrible. But uh, after a few times of that, it was, you know, I got used to it and I was there for a while. And um, then the uh, economy decided to uh, not want to work at all. At all. <laughs> like right now. Yeah. Like right yeah. now. Yeah. It's the same thing. And <laughs> yeah. um, two, you know, that was 2008 and yep. uh, I was laid off and had to find other sure. things to just kind of do. And I, I, I don't want to live my life like that. Mm -hmm. I, and I don't want my daughters to see somebody kind of jump from job to job, paycheck to paycheck, struggle. Sure. So, you know, that was a huge factor in me returning to school. Yeah. And, you know, I look back, I graduated high school in 2009 and I don't like, I look back and I'm very thankful that I was going to into college at that time mm -hmm. um, and not graduating college or in the job market. Um, but so you've gone back to school. Um, and so what did you study? And I know you just completed, so you technically graduated, yeah, right? I just, just graduated Saturday. Okay. And so since there was no legitimate graduation, what did you do to celebrate? We, uh, we had my immediate family, my mom, dad, my grandmother, nice. um, our quarantine group that yeah. we're with <laughs> all the time. Crew. Yeah. It's our quarantine crew. Uh, my daughters, my wife, and myself, we were, uh, I uh, had a small little graduation ceremony in my, in my uh, living room. Awesome. I wore my, wore my cap and gown. Uh, my Aww. daughter gave me a diploma that she made for me. So That's it, cute. Was, uh, it was in a weird way. It was more special. I get yeah. just walking across this giant stage with, you know, like I was able to spend it kind of intimately with my, with uh, my family and, and, mm -hmm. Uh, my sister announced that I was, you know, graduating class of 20, you know, she was the announcer <laughs> and it was, uh, this whole thing that I was super appreciative of. And my wife actually was the one that came up with everything. Awesome. No, congratulations. And, and Thank I know that's, so that's a big accomplishment. So what are you graduating, graduating with a bachelor's in? I graduated with a bachelor's in history. Okay. Cause I, uh, am a nerd and enjoy anything history and this is the i love to read mm -hmm. and i told I, I told my wife like the last week after i finished my my last final i was like now i can finally get back into leisure reading yeah I can that's read true what i want to read 
And uh, then I immediately went and bought uh, a book about uh, Teddy Roosevelt and Winston Churchill. So it did not which, change. Wait, which Winston Churchill book did you just buy? Um, I got, it's one about the Boer War by uh, Candace Millard. It's not um, the hero of an empire, is it? Yes, it is. It's the hero it's a of really, an empire. That's a really good book. Yes. It's awesome. I got that and uh, was super looking forward to reading it because it was kind of, you know, it's his early career and how he kind of made his name. It's incredible the the Boer War and kind of everything that was going on. Like you, mm-hmm. when we think of Winston Churchill, we think of kind of like the la- latter half yeah. of his life and who he was. Yeah. You think of this but, super distinguished, just you know, like this guy right here is you know he's leading this this uh, empire into through wor- wor- World War Two. Yeah, and like leading us to freedom, right? And yeah. or maintaining our freedom. But like yeah. this story, and I'm not going to ruin it for you, but like they really go into it, and it's like pretty crazy how he gets captured and how he escapes, yeah. and like this whole thing of him like escaping in Africa. And like I sit here and I think to myself, like I, I barely can iron, and this dude is like <laughs> escaping prison, and yeah. you know, as a prisoner of war and all of this stuff. It's a great. So when you read that, let me know what you think because I, will, I sure. absolutely loved it. Um, I'm kind of a weird Winston Churchill freak myself. Um, hey, we all should be. Yeah, he's. I, I think he's incredible. Um, yeah, let me know what you think about that because I, I, I couldn't put sure. it down. Okay, so you've you have graduated officially with a history degree, and you mm-hmm. are now actually going to go on and pursue your MBA. Yes, I am. I'm going to get an MBA here from the University of Pikeville, where it's also offered. Uh, going to go and uh, start that this fall. Nice. And then beyond that, I've actually looked into PhD programs. And good for you. I don't know why I was just. I need to stop at some point, but I can't. But like some people, you know, there's definitely different types of people in the world. And there's some people that just like love to constantly learn and be in that academic setting. Like truly. That's, that's exactly what I've found even coming, coming back to school and actually taking it seriously this time, as opposed to the first time I learned how much I loved it. And I loved like being on campus, being around the students and now working here is the same thing. You're, kind of inundated with all this all you know all day yeah and then you know move from there and I just I want to keep going now while I have the motivation yeah for sure for sure and so you know you talked about you getting kind of that quaint experience graduating mm-hmm. um you know I bet you it's a pretty special moment having your daughters see you graduate and so oh. what do you think when they observe you doing this you know what what do you think they're learning I think it's pretty powerful that that is uh that is the absolute best part of graduating was because uh, we have twin daughters who are three mm-hmm. and our oldest daughter uh is turning nine pretty soon so she was actually there when i was diagnosed with my condition mm-hmm. and she had to see me at my worst in that like because i couldn't pick her up couldn't hold her and yeah. for her to now be able to to look me in the eye, which she did, and and tell me that she's proud of me for what I was able to accomplish was unbelievable to me. And the thing that I hope that she takes away from it most mm-hmm. is that there are adversities, no matter who you are, what your what your situation is. There's going to be something placed in front of you mm-hmm. that you are eventually going to have to overcome. And yep. the thing that I hope is that she just realizes that no matter what's there, she can do it. Like yeah anyone can so yeah I think I think that's awesome I I think that's pretty special that you get to share that with 
your kids and they're, they're, Mm. you're being a role model to them ultimately of, you know, the importance of a degree and, um, any degree, right. You know, it doesn't have to be a bachelor's, right. It could be an associate's or you can go to a trade, but the idea is that when you get this piece of paper, no one can take that away from you. You have it. The thing that makes you feel successful, the thing that fulfills you and makes you feel like you have accomplished something, whatever that is, if that yep. is, hey, I'm going to finish War and Peace, then yeah. if it makes you feel great to finish War and Peace, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. So good. Awesome. I'm, I'm happy for you. And so with the, and I know you've looked into PhD programs potentially, mm-hmm. but you know, with the immediate future of your MBA, you know, mm-hmm. what would you like to accomplish with an MBA? Like a lot of people have totally different journeys and destinations they're trying to go when they get that uh, MBA. The, to me, the, it's, it's the next logical step in kind of where I, where I want to be in higher ed, because I want to stay in higher ed now that I've actually started here. And I see kind of, you know, I've, I'm attending meetings and I'm seeing all these different things and functions and the ways that uh, everything works. And I, I just, I feel like the MBA would help me so much in um, understanding a different aspect Yeah. because now I have, you know, in my, in my mind coming from history and coming from a humanities degree, I see a certain of what I can do in higher ed. But then you add in the MBA and I feel like I can kind of come at it from both sides. You know, I can, you know, attack whatever's in front of us. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've got Ellen to keep me grounded. So. Yeah. She'll, she'll keep you in line. She kept my brother and I in line in school. So, you know, she's good at her job too. I, um, I was actually thinking when you mentioned, um, your, oh, the humanities degree. Mm-hmm. So I have an English degree as well. And now I sell like HR yeah. software, right? Yeah. But I feel the same way. I, I don't know if I personally would ever uh, go and pursue an MBA just because mm-hmm. I'm a very bad student. Like it's just a lot. But <laughs> I find myself kind of in the same position where I kind of bring this different perspective just because yeah, of yeah. like my humanities background. And then there's kind of like the business stuff that I just have to learn. Right. And I'm learning it on the fly, which is helpful. Like you can learn anything on the fly, but sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I just had like legitimate instruction on. Yeah. That's that's, that's exactly what I want. And that's, that's one of the reasons that I want to pursue this is, is, is to have as much ammunition, I guess, as I can whenever I come in and, and, and I'm trying to solve an issue or see a problem here. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. All right. So let's switch gears here to very hot topics around basketball. So there's a little bit of trash talk going on on Twitter today about Kentucky and Duke. Um, but before we get to that conversation, because okay. we, know, we know Duke is the better program. Um, the Last Dance. Have you been watching The oh, Last yeah. Dance? I love everything about it. It is perfect. <laughs> it's so well done. I didn't know what yes. to expect. I knew it was going to be good, mm-hmm. but, um, it's, it's so well done. So I'm, I'm only 28, right? So Jordan's heyday, I was very little, like I obviously I knew there. who he was and stuff and mm-hmm. space jam and all that jazz. But like, this has been super interesting to just kind of watch because you hear about his greatness and then you get to actually see it kind of in, it's not real time, but basically, right. It's old recordings yeah. and um, to see just how competitive he was and like how much of a dog he really was. Like oh, he, was he great. was never going to let anyone be better than him. And that just drove him every single mm-hmm. day. And it is actually insane. So I guess what has been your favorite 
thing that you've seen so far because they're still coming out with the episodes right now. Oh yeah. I, there are three, three things that I have taken away that yeah. I love the most. One is how Jordan made everybody around him better. Like it was, it's insane how his competitiveness and how his drive made Pippen better and kept Rodman in Grounded? line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, as much as possible. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, number two is actually Dennis Rodman. That man is—he's yeah. something special. <laughs> but uh, and I even this to my wife the other night when when uh, we were watching it. When I was younger, I'm 35, so I was there for Jordan. Like I was a teenager whenever he was, you know, making his comeback, and they were three beating for the second time. Yeah, like, yeah. And Dennis. Dennis Dennis Rodman is the hardest playing basketball player I've ever seen <laughs> anywhere. It yeah. doesn't matter where. Like, if it called for him to dive headfirst into the ground for one rebound, he would do it. He was going for it. Favorite thing is that Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas still hate hate each other. Like they cannot stand each other. <laughs> I honestly had no idea. Like, I knew they hated each other, but I did not realize mm. it was still to this day. And yes. it was that deeply rooted and it was over something that's actually super petty. Yes. And it's like Jordan reading the message, like reading what Thomas said about him and just his facial expressions. Yeah. He's like, Oh my God. Like I love it. And the fact that Isaiah even now, you know, is just in Jordan's head. Oh, <laughs> 100%. he's just still living there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, Michael Jordan still just constantly is, is competing, you know, at the end of the day. And he's, it's, it's been kind of wild to, to watch. And also you think about how laser focused that man is. And so I was actually listening to another podcast and they were kind of having the same debate and they brought up a good point. Um, it's called the extra pass podcast. And they were bringing up a point called like, um, that he was so laser focused and anything that got in his way of basically being the greatest and, or like repeating was just a distraction. And so for the yeah. most part, he didn't have distractions. Now, as he became bigger and bigger, some of those things came out, like, you know, some of the gambling speculation yeah. and any, like everyone has skeletons in the closet, yeah. but for some the, of the most less part, aspects. yeah. And so for the most part though, there was no distractions. Like that guy was just mm-hmm. there to ball. Yep. And, and I respect he that. He did it better than anyone. Like, that's because uh, I've watched a ton of basketball in my life, and I've never seen anyone like Jordan. Kobe Bryant is the closest, like that I can make in terms of the way that, and especially the competitiveness. Like Kobe had, Kobe had that. Yeah, it's it's like just that same hunger and fire that you know it seemed Jordan had. Yeah, and like. You know, one thing too that I think puts Jordan at another level in general is just the fact how dominant he was early in his career. Like it even mm-hmm. took Kobe a little bit of time. Uh, yeah. I, you know, LeBron James is definitely a beast, right? Like no one can yeah. take that away from him, but I still don't think he was, you know, as dominant. And also the fact wow. that Jordan played such crazy defense, right? He was all team, yes. you know, defense and offense and all of that. Defensive so he was a compl- year multiple times. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, just such a well-rounded player and the mm-hmm. fact that he was able to play on all cylinders like that on both ends of the yeah. court. Like, I, I don't know if we'll ever see someone like that just because now no. basketball has changed a lot too, but you know, yeah. watching the, the clips of like nineties basketball, it was like watching WWE matches at times <laughs> and, and then, it's wild. Yeah. Jordan had to do what he was doing while getting punched in the face by Bill Lambeer. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's actually insane. Like watching these clips now of what, what wasn't a foul and then what would probably be a flagrant foul in today's world as well. And 
Um, you know, like anything, basketball, like anything, cha- things change. And so basketball has definitely evolved and it has changed, but, um, do you, you know, do you think if Jordan played in today's basketball world, he would be as dominant, if not more? I think he would be, he, he would be more so, especially with his, uh, with just his natural given ability to just get, get in the air mm-hmm. and create a shot. It's insane. But you know, Jordan was the guy that could back you down, hit the fadeaway, pull up in your face wherever he was. Yeah. And defensively, I think with his size and length, who he would be guarding nowadays, he would just be so disruptive. So I think even now Jordan would be maybe even better than he was then. Yeah, it's definitely the argument people are making. One thing too, as I've just been watching this documentary, um, Jordan's hands are massive. They're insane. They're as big as this whiteboard behind it. Yeah, crazy. like, I mean, he's a big guy, but there's definitely a lot bigger of people yeah. in the NBA. And you just, like, watch mm-hmm. him put his hand, like, around a ball. Yeah. And, like, he, like, I feel like he's just, like, grabbing, like, a stuffed animal ball, and he's just like, oh, yeah. here we go. That, I'm just going to jump in the air, do whatever I want to put it in the basket. Always, you always have that crazy highlight against, I think it was the Trailblazers, where he goes in and he layups and switches to the other end. And in that highlight, you can see his hand is just covering an entire side of the ball. So yeah, it's, it's, it's actually insane. There's also that. a lot of debate around if even changing hands was like necessary. It's like a hilarious like debate. It wasn't. He was already up there. But Yeah, yeah. It's, it it's like cool. hilarious to just like watch people talk about it. And it's like, it's like, why are we even debating this? Like the man can obviously jump out of the roof and it switch hands matter, if he wants so. to and not yeah. if he wants to or if take off from it, the free throw line. On every layup. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It doesn't matter. So I think we're, we're both in agreement about MJ. Um, you know, the way I break it down is I think MJ is probably the best player, like well-rounded. I, I mm. might argue that LeBron is maybe the best, like offensive player, potentially just, he's so big and he's so, he's so physically dominant. Yeah. Um, but again, like, I think it's hard to measure people in today's era because the defense is just not the same. So it's really hard for exactly. me to say like, this is the best player to ever live. Mm. Now I was hoping we were going to get a lot of hype around just to kind of diverge a little bit around Zion. Um, I was hoping that maybe we would, but like granted with everything that's been going on, not so much. And then he was injured. And so that could have been like our next big, you know, generational player. I still think that he's, going to be like by the time this is all over with i think the zion especially with what he showed some during the season before it was shortened yep uh because he you know came back from the injury and then after the injury he was there like he was mm-hmm. a guy that with another year in the league with you know, getting in shape a little bit better which he's in 10 times better shape than me like i don't but um, you know i can't say like he needs to get in shape right I can't walk up three five flights of stairs so he's yeah um, he's still young you know, though like I, He's yeah. what, maybe like 20, maybe 21. Yeah, um, I mean, he's I got plenty of time left to become fantastic. Yeah. I was just really hoping, like, because he had the injury, and so that really just kind of slowed everything down. But it was, I was really hoping we were just going to have this, like, massive showing where it was just, like, first game, Zion Williams, mm. Williams, and welcome to the NBA, and yeah. it just be, like, electric. And I feel a little cheated that we didn't get that, and because the season has been shortened. But, I mean, mm. I think he's definitely going to be a dominant player, but – I just didn't get the like first glimpse of Zion that I was yeah. hoping that was, it was selfish of me. Uh, but, um, so Kentucky, you're obviously from Kentucky. 
you're a big Kentucky fan. I know you hate yeah. Christian Leitner. Um, but yep, I see it back there. But don't worry, I have my sign too. Here we go. But I will say, don't forget a couple, what was it, two years ago, I think. Yeah, two years ago, Duke waxed, waxed Kentucky by like um, 40 points. You know, I'm going to throw out uh, some stats. Uh, the winning <laughs> program it. in Go the history of men's college basketball. History okay. of college basketball okay. resides in Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. This, uh, over 2,100 wins. It's insane. Duke's not there. Also, the championships that we have. We've got eight. You know, UCLA won theirs in a row. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about UCLA. You don't hear anybody say anything about UCLA. Whatever. They haven't been relevant in years. But you want to talk about a program that has consistently won from the 1940s. <laughs> now, let's not talk about Eddie Sutton in the 80s. That was, a, you know, he got in some trouble. But yep. Then we pick back up, and now here we are. We're doing great. I will say, I will say, like, honestly, I, I really don't have uh, much beef with uh, Kentucky. It's just always fun to just go back and forth. But I will say, I have never, 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 never been a big Calipari fan. And I think part of it is from his Memphis days. Um, I remember going to, it was the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight were in Houston back in like 2009, I think nine eight or nine Mm -hmm. anyway and he was coaching uh memphis and they were really good but they couldn't make free throws it was like absolutely absurd and the fact that that man couldn't get like the best players in the country to make free throws Mm -hmm. absolutely blew my mind this this past season's team is the best free throw shooting team that he has had his entire run at Mm -hmm. uk like and they, they actually shot super well as a team. They were in the high 70s as, as a team. But every other year, that's the same thing. They cannot make, cannot make free throws, and I don't understand it. Well, and, and it's actually, I think, plaguing college basketball in general. Like, even yes. Duke has struggled in the last couple of years. And it's like, guys, it is the same shot with the same ball and the same hoop mm. over and over again. Like, they're like, – people can make more putts consistently and there's a lot more variables in that. And I just think back to like my days of high school and college where like we, we shot pretty good percentages because our coaches Mm -hmm. made us do this all the time. And if you didn't make them, you ran. Right. And so I don't know what the disconnect is right now, why it just seems that very good players can't consistently make free throws. Like, I I mean, I feel like that's something you do at such an elementary age is be consistent at free throws because it's a free throw so like you might as well make it like it's uncontested. yeah it's uncontested go ahead and make it um that's actually another beef i have with lebron i think he should be a much better free throw shooter than he is (laughs) we just listen let's just lay everything out that we do that we dislike about lebron (laughs) okay i i'm i used to be like one of the biggest lebron haters in the world especially when i lived (laughs) in ohio because i just like literally was like oh my god everyone please stop but then he left you he didn't leave me. He left the state of Ohio. Like he left the state of Ohio. He did not leave me. Um, that kind of turned me off a little bit, but I will say like his last run in Cleveland, I thought was impressive. Um, and then what he does as a person, I think yeah. is great. Like, I think what he does offside the court outside of the outside of those four lines is impressive mm-hmm. and it's moving. And that's one thing people have criticized Jordan on of 
right? Is like yeah. he wasn't a big enough advocate for things. He wasn't involved socially, which is his prerogative, right? And it almost seems now yeah. if you're going to be famous and if you're going to be an athlete, like you have to stand for something because you're right. a role model and stuff like that. Jordan just wanted to play basketball. LeBron is doing more. And again, this was in that podcast too, starting businesses. He built that school in Akron. Mm -hmm. And so even though like I used to be the biggest hater in the world, like I can't necessarily hate him anymore. I feel I'm kind of over it. Um, but That's I like it. what he does. He's, he's done a phenomenal job standing up for social issues and using that plat platform yeah. to raise, raise awareness like that. And there are, you know, so many things that he has taken part in when him and uh, Wade, and uh, Carmelo Anthony were came out at the ASPs just a few years ago uh, during terrible times in this uh, country. Yep. They're not related to the pandemic that we're having now, but yep. you know, stuff that should be fixable. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, we, I always tell people like it would be great to be famous just because like you have an absurd amount of money and you get to do whatever you want. Yeah. But I do not envy having to be someone's role model. Um, no. because that's a big pressure, you know, doing the right things, saying the right things because we all mess up, right? We all, we, we all misspeak or we don't understand something completely. And we say something that's a little incorrect and, you know, you get scrutinized for it. And then before you know it, right, you can be seen as, you know, the enemy in someone's eyes or the next thing, you know, endorsements are getting pulled and, you know, there's such steep consequences. And so I don't envy anyone being famous, honestly. Always always uh, appreciated the Charles Barkley approach to just say, <laughs> I am not a role model. Yeah. Not a role model. Just say whatever yep. comes out of your mouth, like a constant stream of word vomit. But I will say having like Charles Barkley and Shaq together is like it's one fantastic. of the greatest. It's a dumpster fire, but yep. it's entertaining. It doesn't hurt anyone. You just want to sit there and watch the fire burn though. You're like, this is the most entertaining thing I've ever seen. So And it burns. It yes. burns. And then you have, you know, the other people that, you know, are pretty straight laced. And like yep. you, like I cannot imagine like going through a script and then being like, I have no idea what's gonna come out of <laughs> Chuck's mouth. So here's the script and you just throw it behind you because it's yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> We're living in interesting times. Um, I do appreciate the commentary of Shaq and uh, Charles Barkley. Yes. I do think Duke is a better program. I'm sorry. And um, I wish Kentucky the best of luck. John Calipari is the greatest coach of all time. I don't until, know about that, man. Until, un, until the next Kentucky coach gets hired whenever he <laughs> <laughs> Well, didn't Cal just sign a big contract, like another five years or something? It seems like he signs an extension every year for more money. and He's more. not going anywhere. He's no, going he's anywhere. making so much money there. He's doing great. Oh, man. Well, we'll see. We'll see what college basketball brings, I guess, next year. Um, I hope it brings something because I'm missing sports right now. I was – it was kind of weird. Like, I definitely love March Madness. I know I love March Madness, but I don't think I realized how much I love March yep. Madness until I don't have any to watch. Well, I was uh, I was watching the Korean Baseball League yesterday. How is that, so by the way? It's ba it's ba it's baseball, yeah. and it's baseball that I've not seen before. So it's fantastic. <laughs> it's it's probably you know what though. Like I'm not a big like I follow the Astros, but like I'm not a, like I don't know much about mm -hmm. baseball. But I'm sure it's actually good baseball, right? Like it's probably yes. if you if you're a baseball person, you're probably enjoying it. Oh I, yeah, I had a great time watching the game yesterday. That I had no idea what what like who anyone was. Mm -hmm. But Carl Carl Rabbit was there to tell me. So 
There's somewhere out there too. Someone at work was telling me about that. They've kind of like made an analysis of like, if you're a fan of the Indians, then you would like this Korean team. If you're a fan of the Astros. I need to find that. Yeah. yeah so then you can kind of get the camaraderie and the like, oh, I'm going to root for this yeah. team kind of deal. Um, I really Francisco hope. Giants fan. So it's. You're a Giants fan. Yeah. My dad, my dad's a big Giants fan. So I kind of grew up, uh, you know, really before we knew Barry Bonds was like juicing himself to death but oh that's another topic that i have strong opinions on. we we will there's a lot of opinions i have a lot of baseball opinions too especially with all of the stuff around uh the houston astros but we won't go down that path quite yet we'll have to revisit that maybe when baseball comes back you need to start a sports podcast you know what if i knew more <laughs> about other sports it would be like the most fun job ever it would be awesome it would be the most fun. Like I think about ESPN, like, I don't even know if I want to say ESPN, but those people that cover lots of different sports mm. and how they can talk about, granted, I know they do research and they have people help them, right. but like the fact that they can still just do it. Like if I watched boxing, I'd be like, Oh, he hit the other guy. Great hit. Like <laughs> no idea. Zero cool idea. Punch. Yeah. Yeah. There was a punch guys twice. I bet that hurt. Yeah. Like I would not know what to say. So um, there's definitely great sports podcasts out there that I kind of just listen to. And again, mm. like if I had the mental capacity to take all of that in, that would be awesome. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you sharing, uh, your story. I really, you know, I, I like the fact, so I was, as I've kind of gotten guests on, I kind of found myself realizing that I had a lot of people that had a very traditional path, right? Mm. High school, college job. And that's one path. Right. And so the whole point of my podcast is blazing your own trail, right. And blazing your own path. And so, yeah. you know, you did that and for your own personal reasons, you decided to go back to college and pursue your degree. And now you're going to get a uh, MBA and stuff like that. And so I really appreciate you sharing your story because I think sometimes kids and people get pigeonholed into this is how things are done. And it's not necessarily the right way for everyone. And you still can be successful and do things non-traditionally and maybe even out of order. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you said even yourself that you have a better appreciation going back to school in your thirties and, you know, you, you're, you're doing great. I, I know Ellen talks highly of you and based on just what I see and what you're doing at university of Pikeville, it seems that you're doing really great work and I appreciate you. you coming on. I appreciate you teaching me the podcast world <laughs> and we'll have to have you on again and we can have some deep baseball debates. Yeah. I, I Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you've taken the limited uh, information that I gave you and expanded <laughs> upon it and made something that I enjoy listening to. Awesome. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, I just, I have a unique perspective on things and that's what I wanted to bring to students and whoever's willing to listen because I've talked constantly. So no. And, and I like that. And one thing too, um, if anyone's listening, that might be a prospective student or looking into the university, um, you know, you guys are on Twitter and do you have other social media accounts? Yes, we're on Twitter. Uh, the, the, the University of Pikeville is there at UPike Bears. You can also find me and Ellen at UPike CAE. That's okay. our department, the Center for Academic Excellence. We're on C-A-E. Facebook. Okay. Center for Academic Excellence. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jeremy Goodson Four, uh, yep. and see some of these hardline opinions on whatever. So. Yeah, perfect. And if you guys want to follow anything else that I am doing with Trailblazing Text, it's on Twitter and Instagram, both of which have the handles Trailblazing Text. And so when I pu- push this out, I'll be tagging Jeremy and and Pikeville and all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys listening, and I appreciate you coming on. 
Thank you so much. Yep.